Please listen carefully. Yeah, so I thought we could talk about you, actually. Oh boy. Yeah. Yeah. So like like how you like how you grew up, where you grew up, how you grew up, um, what you what you did for like sports, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. So like get to know Lamb. Right. Okay. Yeah. That works. I guess you can just probe questions along. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. So where did you grow up? Uh, I, where were you born? I was born in... Well, I, man, that's an interesting story. I was born in the a back of a, um, a military police jeep. And uh, on the way. On the way. Military the police jeep. In Taiwan. In Taiwan. Taipei, Taiwan, in a refugee camp. So... Uh, my parents were, um, you know, if you if you look it up, you you can always find a story on on the boat people, right? So it was kind of like a mass exodus of Vietnamese people escaping from communist Vietnam, and you know it, they were part of the boat people, and they ended up in Taiwan, and that's where I was born. So you are Vietnamese. I'm Vietnamese. But you were basically. Literally being born uh, as you your parents were fleeing. Yeah, as my parents were fleeing, um, and you know, so it, it's their, their story is amazing. That's kind of for another time, but you know, it's kind of thing something that has been brought to my attention pretty much every single day as we've grown up. You know, kind of just their story and, and their hardships. So. Um, how, yeah, we, well, so what, what do you mean, like being reminded of, or like being? Well, I, I think it's with you. You hear this very commonly with, uh, I would say, Asian kids or my age, first generation, where kind of, hey, we did all these hardships so that you could have a better life, so earn it. Mm. Yeah, so you get that reminder a lot. Um, and is it a reminder? Is it? Do you feel like it's a guilt trip? I think I think that it can be received as a guilt trip. Okay, so the uh, intention is not to guilt you. The it, the intention to is to you. remind you to do your best, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that when you're so young, you think of it as a guilt trip, mm-hmm. because there, you know, as the things when you're young and the things that your parents remind you aren't necessarily things that you want to do, mm-hmm. like study really hard or you know be be well disciplined. Shoot, you just want to play video games or, you know, go play or do something like that. Right. Well, you didn't know the hardships that they went through because mm. you were so young. You were literally right. being, you were born and then you were obviously infant growing up. When did you move to the States? So, okay, so you were born. Yep. We spent three years in the Taiwanese refugee camp. Okay. Um, and that's where I learned where, what Balut was. You see, ah, use the guy okay. who would run up and down the, the buildings and, and you know, be like, balut, balut. And that's, that's where I learned uh, what balut was and, and uh, enjoy it to this day. So if someone's listening and they don't know what balut is. Yeah, so but balut is a, um, it's a duck egg. It's a fertilized duck egg. And when you um, 
the way it's eaten is you boil it and uh, it's cooked and when you crack open the egg, the, the, the wonderful little ducky is still there. Um, sometimes a little bit of the feathers as well and it throws some mint leaves on there, some salt, pepper and, 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 and lime juice and it is a wonderful meal. I, I think and that, and that really is like you really enjoy. It. You haven't had it. You don't have it like regularly, right? But no, no, I don't have it regularly. But I do. I do very much enjoy it. Yeah. Um, to uh, much to the chagrin of a lot of people that I know. Right. 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 And but hey, it's good. I've, I've thrown down a dozen, <laughs> dozen and a half, in, in a sitting before. Um, a dozen. Yeah. How yeah. big? So how, they're, they're, these are, they're, yeah, they're just big. like a regular egg. Yeah. Yeah. It's real good. I mean, eating a dozen just regular eggs is a lot, I feel like. Yeah, it is. Uh-huh. It All is. right. But it's good. You just like living the bodybuilder life. <laughs> yeah. Vietnamese bodybuilder. Yeah, exactly. That's that's, that's what a, I look that's like. What they eat. Yeah, yeah okay, exactly. I bet you I bet you that the 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 nutrition value is probably pretty good. I bet it's off the charts. Yeah, absolutely. I mean eggs are well, that's all I was yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so so grew up till so you were three. I was, I was three. We immigrated to San, San Wait, Francisco. Wait, so, um, so I'm I'm Korean. Yeah. Not that um, I was. So that's another story. But basically, Koreans will use a different aging system. So like when you're born, you're oh, you're one. one. You're automatically one. Right? Yes. But mm-hmm. then when, no matter when you're born, when the new year comes, Correct. You're, you're two. Yep. Yep. Right. So do you do you do that too? I don't. My parents do. So when the when the Chinese slash Vietnamese New Year comes, I'll be thirty six. Right. Them. Okay. Yes. But you but you say that you're thirty five. I'm thirty five, and I'll be thirty six next September. Right. right. But to them, I'll be thirty six in February. Right. Yeah. Okay. Or whatever whatever the New Year's calendar, the okay. lunar calendar I falls on. Uh, yeah. I wasn't sure who else did that. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay, so anyway, nope. back to so, okay. <laughs> so, you're, so you're three. So I'm three. Okay. Um, I spoke apparently spoke fluent Cantonese as well. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Don't speak a lick of it now. Um, and then we immigrated to San Francisco, okay. where you know that that's you know as much as the the hardships there, um, my parents kind of struggled through their um, you know, finding jobs, and you know my dad was telling me that he was busing busing tables for $3 an hour, that kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. um, we were lucky to have some help with uh, friends and, and cousins. But eventually we were there for two years. Two, so two you years. had you knew people there or your family knew people yes, my parents, in San Fran. That's why they correct. moved to San Fran. And then, most, then we had, he, he had trouble finding jobs and then he had family over in Jersey and that's why we flew over there, okay. and he got a job, and kind of the rest is history from that perspective. So I spent most of my life in central to north Jersey. Um, gotcha. Grant. So when you were in San Fran, mm-hmm. I'm just trying to think of your So you have a, a sister? I did brother, not. Oh, right. But they were not born. They weren't born, right. In San Fran. They were born in New Jersey. They were born in, yeah, they were born in New Jersey. Okay. Yep. Got it. Yep. So your dad was busting tables in San Fran. What was your mom doing? My mom was taking ESL classes, and she was also, um, I think she she was, yeah, she was just taking ESL classes at that point, just kind of going to school and trying to do her thing while my dad was supporting the family. Did she have an intention of 
of something particular, or she just knew that learning English was a priority? I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I think, I, I don't know if they had a plan. Mm. Um, I, I know their plan was at that point was just to, just to kind of make ends meet. Um, and, and, and the way my dad puts it was, is really phenomenal because you don't see it this way. But he said to me, he said, you come over to this country and you're, you're blind, you're deaf, and you're mute. I'm like, well, what does that mean, Dad? He goes, come over here, you can't read, mm-hmm. you can't speak the language, and you don't understand what the hell everyone's saying. So try mm-hmm. putting all that together and supporting a family with the clothes on your back. So j- just figuring out or, or, or thinking of it that way, it just blows my mind, mm-hmm. you know? And I know you and I talk about going to different countries and, and exploring and not knowing the language. And yeah, sure, that's, that's great because there's no pressure. You know, you're not, right. you're not supporting a family. You're not, um, you, you don't have a mouth to feed. That's, that's an awesome well, experience. Yeah, travel, for at least our travel, has been temporary, yeah. even if it's two weeks. Right. And to be honest, I mean, most countries speak, some people there speak English. English, right. Right. So exactly. Yeah, it's a it's a privilege to. Yeah, exactly. Speak English. Yeah. So now you're, twenty something years old, not a, you know, not a dime to your name, and you don't speak the language, and you have a family to feed, and you just essentially lost your country because you had to run away. Right. So your mom learned was taking classes. Mm-hmm. Did your so did your dad, but your dad didn't know English. So. Yeah, my my mom was taking classes. My dad was just. Um, uh, just just working at that point, and kind of like learning what he needed to know. Yeah, in the moment. yeah, it's kind of blurry for me from from that perspective of all what happened in in right. San Fran. Right. Uh, since I was so young. Got it. And then it was here. There was an opportunity to number one move closer to the cousins on the East Coast, and there was a job here that was paying more, mm-hmm. and uh, that's why we made the move. Did your parents have? Like, what did they grow up learning, or, or uh, did they have jobs in Vietnam? Like, what was their career yeah, prior? Yeah, my, my my dad was um, he, he was he was certified to he went to school. I mean, both my parents. And this is kind of what when I get sad is both my parents graduated top of their class. Mm. You know, so they're unbelievably uh, smart intellects, um, and you know, my dad. As smart as he was, he wanted to be an auto mechanic and open a store. My mm. my mom was in finance and accounting, mm-hmm. and uh, none of that means anything over here, right? Got it. Mm-hmm. So, um, how's it going? Hey guys. Sorry, we're, we're just doing? recording a little no thing. Worries. Okay. So, mom finance accounting. Yeah. And dad wanted to open up his own business uh, business for being a mechanic. Got it. Yeah. Okay. So did did they do any of that? Did they actually get to, were they working before getting out of the country or? No, no. Um, My, my mom and my dad left at 18 and 19. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. And the only reason they could afford to do it was because my dad was a mechanic. Like they needed a mechanic to fix the motor on the boat oh, that eventually wow. died anyway in the middle of the sea. <laughs> right. Jeez. So, um, 
you know, uh, again, it's it's a crazy story. Like they they weren't they were never supposed to survive that trip. Um, so you know, they 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 were floating around in the sea, and my mom said it was like a a twelve fifteen foot boat, and there was a bunch of people, probably more people than than you should than you should have, than you should have on a twelve fifteen foot boat. Yeah. Right. Yep. Yeah. And and they got picked up. Luckily, they got picked up by. Uh, the Taiwanese Border Patrol, and they were taking in refugees at that point. And at that point, she was pregnant with you? No, my, my mom was pregnant with my older brother that didn't make the trip. Got it. Yeah, and then, and then that, uh, they were there in Taiwan, and then, then they got pregnant with me at the refugee camp. Yep. Got it, at the camp. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So you are living in San Fran, you moved in New Jersey, you mm -hmm. probably, you, you don't remember any of that? I remember a lot of Jersey. I don't remember a lot of San Fran. Right. San Fran was just way too young right. um, for a few years. Sure. Yeah, but um, Jersey I do remember. I do remember you know, first grade and being in, in Edison, mm -hmm. growing, up, growing up in Edison, and then uh, we moved around a lot from apartment to apartment. My, my pa parents finally saved up enough money to to buy a house in South Plainfield when I was in third grade, and and then that's kind of where we grew up. You know, Lynn, Lynn and we grew up in that house, mm -hmm. um, and you know, a lot of my fondest memories are, are from that house. When, so you were how old when? Uh, who's older, Lynn, right? Yeah, Lynn is middle child, and Zui is the youngest. Right. And Lynn just got married? Lynn just got married, yeah. What was your relationship like with Lynn and Zui growing up? Oh, man. Um, it was, you know, it, 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 I know people talk a lot about, like, oh, I live with no regrets and things like that. It's probably one of my biggest regrets is that I was put in a position to raise them. I think when you're that much older and your parents are very fearful as immigrants because they don't know the language and they want to make sure their kids are growing up the right way is that you're the oldest is usually put in a position where you're in a more authoritative position instead of being friends with your siblings and um, and that was kind of that was my relationship I was dad you know when mom and dad were working seven days a week uh, 12 14 hours a day there was no one home so I was unfortunately put in that position hmm. to kind of make sure that uh, all things were organized set up in the house and um, and make sure that they were they were taught the right things and stuff like that so it was it, I would say it was it, th that relationship was rough growing up um, we spent a lot of I, I say now we spent a lot of time kind of repairing that and just being friends which at you know your your twenties your thirties you should be I think as as siblings, mm -hmm. but it was it was difficult I think it was very difficult um, and the amount of pressure that that was put on me on that aspect was was huge as well. Who was more difficult to handle, sister or your brother? Oh, definitely my sister because just from the age difference, right? Zui is nine years younger than me, so right. it's it's not hard to put. To, to push authority on Zui. Right, because you are that much older that you're just like, no, you're, exactly. you're going to do what I say. Whereas yeah. Lynn is... Lynn is five years. Yeah. Five years. 
Um, so you know, we we had a we, we had a interesting relationship because Lynn, if you know my sister, uh, does not like being told what to do. Mm -hmm. Period. Mm -hmm. She marches to her own beat. Right. Um, and she is very much uh, very strong-willed and really does not like to be told what to do. So we had a very um, conflicting relationship, sure. especially when I'm put in that uh, position. And uh, I, I think a, a lot of growing up was just us kind of fighting all the time, mm -hmm. even though I was supposedly su you know, trying to tell her the right things to do. She just didn't care. Right. right. Um, half the time she didn't care what my parents said as well. So, got it. It, it was. It was. Now, now to think about it, it was. It was really. Well, and the, and this is also a time where right there's no cell phones. No. There's, there's usually one phone in the house. It's landline. Yep. Right. Yep. Um, so, so, when we weren't allowed to really watch that much TV, so it's like you deal with each other. You right. Play. Make something up. Right. Um, we tortured the hell out of Zoe. Like poor kid, who's just, <laughs> just like. Three years. I think of I think of Eli right now, mm -hmm. and just the the stuff we used to make as we do when Eli was. I was like, man, that was just mean, <laughs> right? Um, and we just tackle and smother him with pillows, and both of us jumping on top of him. And it's like, man, I don't know how he survived, but I guess I guess he he turned out pretty well. He's probably more resilient because of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whether he knows it or not. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we didn't grow up with much. We didn't you know, really have. Um, we never felt poor. Mm -hmm. I knew, now to think about it, we were, I mean, my parents did a great job saving and, and making sure we had the necessary things. We didn't have, you know, we never had na na name brand stuff and we just, um, but I never felt like we couldn't, uh, I never felt like we were always struggling financially. So, uh, I mean, props to them for doing that because I know we did not have much. Got it. Did that, um, has that influenced you now in terms of money or uh, having name brand stuff or even just like materialism in general? Mm -hmm. uh, how, like how do you approach that and do you feel like growing up um, in that family, whether you knew it or not at the time, like do you feel like that has influenced? So kind of two-part question, but like. Yeah, so first part, I, I know that the way we grew up and the way my mom handles money is is a huge influence on how I handle money. Um, you know, my you know, the credit card debt was I think at that time it, you were especially encouraged to incur credit card debt. That that pushed the economy. But my my parents were always like, you never spend more than what you have. Period. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, we didn't go out a lot. We didn't go out to eat. So we, you know, my parents were always basically. Putting money away, right, so that they could pay for the house, they could, you know, save for whatever they needed, like a car. Mm -hmm. So to me, very much, a lot of my financial decisions are about, you know, establishing a strong foundation, never spending more than you have, mm -hmm. um, and constantly saving, saving, saving. Got um, it. So that's just kind of how I approach things. And then I, I think from a name brand material perspective um, I think I, I've, I've, I'm as guilty as anyone in, in America who falls into some of the name brand and the marketing and things like that but I sure I um, 
you know, I'll, I'll, I'll treat myself, but I think that I'm always kind of second guessing and making sure that everything from a financial perspective is in line before I, mm -hmm. you know, I, I do take that jump. And it's just because I know that um, there's always that, that uh, message in the back of my head with my mom is always like saving money, keep, keep putting stuff away and, and not just being frivolous, fr frivolous with, with, you know, your funds because you work hard for it. Yeah. Do you follow um, like uh, blogs or uh, e newsletters or like what are your like resources for um, educating yourself or, you know, keeping up with like money the, stuff? The personal finance. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I used to follow uh, this blog called Get Rich Slowly mm -hmm. and uh, read this book called Get Rich Slowly by Ramit Sethi. Ramit Sethi. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think that was one of the the most eye-opening books that I've read only because it was like, oh, you know what? This guy is doing what I, I have been doing. And just a few tweaks here and there, I can kind of basically automate a lot of the things. And, you know, you and I, we talk all the time. We're huge on life hacks, right? Mm -hmm. Just, Just let me automate it. Let me worry about other things. Be disciplined about it so I can worry about better things. Right. Um, and he just talks about, you know, it, it, the people who get rich quickly, they're, they're, that, that doesn't happen often. Getting rich or building wealth isn't sexy, mm -hmm. right? Um, those, you know, you hear about all the, 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 the brokers who are making a lot of money on stocks and things like that. They're, they don't ha kind of um, one in a million. So how do you do that as a, a layman, right? You, right. you um, automate your savings this way. You um, save, put in your 401k and, and, and invest in these specific timed funds or whatnot. But also he talks about being able to save and spend in a way that you're not feeling guilty all the time, right? Listen, I, I have a huge thing for video games or computer or car stuff. Um, and also I wanna travel, but if I throw all that money in my emergency and savings fund, I feel guilty spending that money. So how do you, how do you segregate that out? How do you put that into savings and make it an automated way so that when you do send, spend it, you're like, ah, you know what? This money is, is for that. So that was a huge education. Um, I, I fully recommend, and I, I do this for, they probably think I'm really corny and crazy, but I, I buy the book and I give it to any of my cousins who graduate from college. Like, this mm -hmm. is a thing you should read because <clears throat> Got it. we don't get any of that in, in high school or college, how to right. spend money, how to save, what's a 401k. How to manage your money. Yeah, yeah mm -hmm. right. You get this really huge paycheck and all you want to do is buy a new TV or, or you know, suddenly think that you can afford a, a $400 car payment, four $500 car payment, and then suddenly you're in the hole all right. the time. Got it. How do you um, work or teach Eli and Layla, or maybe you don't now yet because you want to wait or whatever? Mm -hmm. um, I mean, they are young, but what's your thought process on um, your own kids and raising them? I think from a financial perspective, I would uh, I would almost do the, the very much very similar to what my mom did. Just focus on saving. Um, what we're doing now, which was very important to my mom as well, is that whatever money they get, mm -hmm. um, they love putting money in the piggy bank. 
you know, just because of the act of it. But we have right, uh, an actual piggy bank, right? right yeah. Piggy bank. And right. Zui, um, Zui, gosh, Elijah asked my my mom for fifty quarters for his birthday, just because <laughs> he came up with random number fifty. Um, so my mom actually went out and got him 50 quarters. So he That's sat awesome. there and we split up the quarters and we're putting in the piggy bank. <laughs> but one of the lessons that I, I wanted to, uh, we, Becca and I wanted to teach them is that we also give to people less fortunate. So we mm. have a separate piggy bank that they have to split mm. um, and, you know, and, and allow them to, to kind of understand, hey, you know, they're, there are people that don't have what you have. You're extremely lucky, and and that you should focus on giving back as well. Got it. Um, you know, I know you and I talk about it, and it's one of also one of our uh, CrossFit um, kind of missions is to kind of to give back to be to to make the community better. So yep, that's right in line with you know what I want for myself and what I want for the kids as well. Um, but yeah, from a financial perspective, I, I think. What I wish my parents had done is let me s spend more to have that experience. Mm -hmm. It was just all my paychecks and everything I worked for went into their account, and they're like, "Got it." It was one hundred percent saved. Yeah. Mom, right. why can't I spend my own money? And she would look at me and she goes, "Why can't you buy your own house? Why can't you cook your own food?" And <laughs> that kind of showed me up. Got it. So, all right. So, uh, high school. What was uh, high school like for you, um, man? High school was rough. Yeah, high school was rough. Uh, you just think of, just think of any kind of stereotype, stereotypical high school movie, and then put your little skinny Asian kid, who you know didn't have any money to compete with, wearing the nice clothes and whatnot. Um, public high school. Public high school, right? And I mean, luckily, South Plainfield was kind of a, a blue collar uh, city, uh, town. Um, so not everyone had too much, but still, you know, you're you're still on the lower income side, and and you're just different. You know, I, I just knew I always knew I was different, um, and I, I always say that the only thing that saved me or surviving high school was was sports. I was good. I was good at sports, and that kind of just mm. kept me out of any line of sights of too much bullying. Um, but you know, I, I was I was in I was, I was in choir. I played in a little bit of the jazz band. Um, I was in an acapella group. Um, I was vice president of the chess club. And, you know, just really getting involved with everything. Um, but I think it was, was that hard to do to be an athlete, <clears throat> but also be involved with chess club and acapella and choir and all that. Um, fortunately, it, it was it was not as hard as it would have been at like um, Beck School, which North Penn. She was like, if mine was stereotypical, Beck was even even more like the the, the athletes sat with their own mm -hmm. group, mm -hmm. you know, the choir kids and drama kids sat with their own group. Gotcha. Uh, we had our, we had the captain of the football team in our choir. Uh, okay. The cheerleaders were in the choir. Um, so. So, so it, was, it made it the transition was, a little bit easier. Yeah, crossing over, you know. Exactly. Being in different groups was right. actually pretty pretty normal. Yep, you w it wouldn't be unheard of to see, you know, um, during soccer practice to see a bunch of kids running in late with notes from band because they had jazz band practice or choir practice, um, which helped which helped a lot. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, I think that that definitely saved me. 
but just the transition of, of growing up in high school, being the small, book smart, and also in, involved in the uh, arts, um, and then the, the whole transition of being an Asian American. I think we, we don't talk about that that much, but the identifying between the home life and the American life is, is, is massive. It's stressful. Did you feel like you were a different person in school versus at home? Yeah, very much so. There were there were expected duties when you got home, so I was a very different person. I was very serious and you know making sure I got my stuff done, and then I was a goofball at school, uh, night and day, very much so. Were you goofball because that's that's who you are? Like really deep down, or were you goofball because you like needed to like let off steam, or like um, you know, kind of count like balance the seriousness of being the dad, the second dad of the house. I, I think that's just my personality. Yeah, I just, I mean, I'm just, I, I, I like, I like to laugh. Right. right. I like making people laugh. And yeah. Uh, that's just my personality, and it was just, I think, at home, the responsibilities just got so overwhelming that there was no time for that. Sure. And, you know, just make sure that, and listen, I, I love my parents to death, but they are strict as anything. So if things were out of line, mm -hmm. like, y y you heard it and you felt it. Like, you got yeah. yelled at, you got beat. Like, no questions for it. So if Lynn and Zwee were out of line, I got beat for it. Because right. so you were the older one, and I you were responsible one. for Correct. them. Correct. Correct. So there were no excuses. Mm. Um, you know, if they didn't, if they didn't eat on time, if they didn't have dinner on the table, and my parents got home and found out that was hell to pay. Like my my mm. mom got home from work, and dinner was on the table for her. Her mm -hmm. slippers were on the ground. Her tea was on the table. So that was all prepared by the time she got home from work. Like that was expected. And you were, I mean, you played sports, right? You played soccer. Yeah. Yeah. I so played like, soccer. How did you balance playing? Because you would have practice, you would have games, right? Right. Um, so I, you know, I guess that part of being in sports was kind of an escape as well. Mm. Just hey, I had an excuse to go play soccer. Right. So I was a um, most of the time, my time in high school I was a three season athlete, just because I kind of wanted to okay. get away from my responsibilities. What else but, did you do? Um, soccer. I played soccer in the fall. I ran winter track. Uh, just to keep up with it in for two for two years in the winter and then play tennis gotcha. in the spring um, you know so so I was was trying to be you know when I got really involved junior and and senior year I was kind of trying to get away from home a little bit just because yeah. there was just so much pressure be busy so that you didn't yeah. have to be home exactly exactly got and it so, so it was um you know, I think it, it formed a lot of who, obviously, who I am today. Um, but there were a lot of things that needed to be worked out because I think, you know, like any anyone in high school, high school is a huge transition to to becoming an adult and who you are and, and your experiences that that will shape how you look at the world from from then on. Would you change anything about your high school experience? Um, like within your control, so how you approached high school. No, I think I think within my control I was
No, I think I think ultimately with what happened in high school and all the things I got involved in, I, I did as much as I could, you know, mm -hmm. um, and that was kind of uh, as much of, of it being an escape. It also made me kind of reach out into things that I would never have done. So right. it was it was really it, it was it was a really from an experience perspective from the quantity. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was it was good. It's good. Kind of Going back to your parents being strict, do yeah. you feel like you're strict with Layla and Eli? Yeah, I'm. I'm not as strict as my parents are. Obviously, I don't beat my kids. I, I don't believe in that, mm -hmm. and um, only because I used to get beat all the time and I didn't learn my lesson. It's, it's mm -hmm. like, oh yeah, you know, if you get beat, child will not do A anymore. I kept doing A. Right. It doesn't matter to me. Keep yeah, you're a living example of that. Absolutely. Physical does Absol not work. Yeah. Lynn is a living example of if, in fact, I'm not going to do A, but I'll do B to piss you off. Right. Right. So um, I don't, I don't personally believe beating works. And, and listen, it's different for everyone. Sure. Um, but I, I'm very strict with Eli and Layla. I, they're ex expect I have a high expectations for, for my kids in terms mm -hmm. of how they should um how disciplined they should be on cer certain things, um, the structure they follow, the the respect they pay to adults, um, elders, and, and things like that. And then, you know, I know I'm I know I'm ultimately a lot stricter than the people around me, but it's just kind of you know what I believe in. Who's more strict, you or Beck? I am hands down. We used to think that I was going to be. You know, it's gonna melt, and 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 Layla was gonna have me wrapped around her finger, and and she does. Uh, you know, she she gets away with a lot more than than my parents would have ever let let me get away with. But um, I'm definitely, I like order. I mean, you know me. I like order in my life. Period. Right. So that doesn't fall far from my kids. You mm -hmm. know, but um, yeah, Beck, Beck Beck has a lot of fun with them, and not not that I don't. I think it's just that you know I'm. I'm bad cop a lot of times, and and that's okay. That's mm -hmm. okay if that helps them be do some have some structure, and you know, they call for mom out all the time or most of the time. That's that's okay. Got it. That's okay. So high school, going into college, um, did you know what you wanted to study? Applying to college? No, I had no I, I had no idea. I I there's always pressure of you know mom and dad saying, oh, you you should be a doctor. I want you to be a doctor. Mm. You know, I, I want you to be a doctor. I want you to be stereotypical. Oh, absolutely. I want you to play. Family, right? I want you to be a professional piano player. I yeah. want you to um, <laughs> do all that kind of sorts of crazy stuff. So I started off. At, first of all, um, applying to schools, I, I really was pressured um, into into um, certain schools just because number one, we couldn't afford a lot of the schools, mm. and number two, I think my parents always had intentions of me being closer to home right I, I I wanted to go to UC Irvine right I wanted to apply to the Air Force Academy and it just never happened because I knew that even if I got in I would be quote-unquote allowed to go um, so why did you want to apply to the Air Force Academy you know I I always had a and you'll laugh at this because it kind of contradicts everything we've talked about I, I always felt like I wasn't disciplined enough 
<laughs> so I felt like going to the Air Force Academy, just people would just tell you what to do. Or maybe it was because I felt that I was disciplined because my parents were always there drilling it into me. Right. So that was probably an indirect way of saying, crap, I'm afraid of what will happen when I have control of my own time. Mm. Right. Right. So I wanted to look at, well, and you like order. I like order. And any of the academies would absolutely give you order. I would have freaking thrived in any kind of academy. Yeah. West Point, Naval Academy. Yep. Sure. Yep. Hands down. Hands down. Wow. Um, You know, But but they wouldn't go for that. They didn't want you going to No, they didn't Colorado. want me traveling far. They would, you know, yeah. they didn't want me, uh, they wanted me close to home, and that was kind of, that was that. Wow. That okay. was that. So those are all conversations before you even applied anywhere? Yes. They were, they weren't really conversations. Uh, right. <laughs> they sure. were more like, you know, <laughs> you're going to do Those are not two-sided this. conversations. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. You know, I remember, you know, we talked about that. It's like, when I talked to my, my, you know, my quote-unquote American friends, they're like, why don't you just talk to your parents? I was like, yeah, let I'll, I'll let you know how that goes. You come over and yeah, meet my come parents, over and, then and you see if you talk can talk to my parents. Right? Yeah, the, there was no such thing as those conversations. Um, you know, that talking to my parents only recently happened within the last five or six years, and I'm 35 years old. Right. Right. Um, it's probably because I finally had kids, and they're like, okay, now you're an adult. Right. <laughs> right. You're, you may now have a seat at the table because exactly. now you have children. You are no longer at the children's table. Yes, Because exactly. your children are at the children's table. Yep, very much so. Got it. Very much so. So where did you apply? Applied to Stevens Institute of Technology, Bucknell, um, Villanova, Lehigh, uh, TCNJ, mm-hmm. Lafayette. So all of the kind of neighborhood schools. So within, yeah, two hours or so. Yeah, two hours or yeah. so. Driving and distance. Yeah, and that was, that, that was it. That was it. I had my... Now you ended up at TCNJ. Yep, TCNJ hooked me up with a scholarship, and plus, in state was like twelve thousand a year. Yeah. So was your decision primarily financial? It was financial, and it was also where um, I, I, I honestly I kind of felt at home at TCNJ. I Good. visited the school, and yeah. and they gave me. You know, now to think about it, it's not really that much money, but it was still half of of what uh, of the scholarship. So I was like, shoot, you know, no loans, and uh, how financially focused I, I was, and my parents were. I'm like, this is this is a great deal. Um, good. Well, it's good. that's great though, because that's the combo of feeling you've had the right feeling, yeah, culture wise, but also it worked out financially. Yeah, yeah. absolutely, absolutely. I love I love the campus at that time. Um, and it also, you know, a couple, uh, a couple of people I knew went went to school there, so it wasn't it wasn't too far off the reservation of what I didn't know. Got it. Yeah. Now, when did you figure out your major and your career path? So I came in as a bio major. Oh. Yeah, I came I in as that. a bio major, and within the first two weeks, I changed majors. Sure. To comp sci. Okay. Yep. Uh, and that was huge. It was like, oh my gosh, what are my parents going to say? So I didn't tell them. Nice. I didn't tell them, and I changed to a comp sci major. And from that perspective, I was staying up till two, three in the morning, looking at my computer. And I thought that would be the greatest day I'm allowed to stay up and mm-hmm. be on my computer, making a stupid tic tac toe board turn <laughs> colors every time you clicked X and circle or O and 
and I thought it was the dumbest thing I've ever done. So by the next semester, I changed to a, an MIS major. So within one semester, I changed majors twice. Got it. Yep. MIS, yep. Management Information System. Systems, which is kind of like a, um, what we call, well, what they call a programmer dropout school. And then you learn nice. a little bit of business classes. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that was, yeah, th th that's kind of what I wanted. I knew I wanted to do something with computers, and I knew business was, learning bus generic business classes were, uh, just it wouldn't, would never hurt. Right. Right. And that's what you graduated with, MIS? By the skin of my teeth, yes, yeah. I graduated with MIS. Yep. So my next question was, were you a good student in college? Um, no. But it sounds like not No, I was, a, I was a phenomenal yeah. student in high school. Yeah. I was an awful student in college. Uh, you know, I, it kind of, you, you get off it, high school and you're like, oh, you know what, natural smarts, and mm -hmm. don't really spend that much time studying, and, um, and you get off this high, and then you get to your freshman year where you don't really do that studying, you do okay, you're like, you're fine, I, I hit my, my second semester of freshman year and then my, my sophomore year, and I was pulling D's like it was nobody's business. I wasn't going to class. and um, mm. So that, that kind of pulled that through. And I, you know, I, I met Beck, and I was like, I, I don't want to do this. I'm going to drop out. And she's like, well, if you have to drop out, drop out, make that decision. Wow. Um, that, you know, I, I think I was going through a lot at that time as well um, with, you know, stuff at home and, and just dealing with my parents and then also like going through a bad breakup. So I didn't, the last thing I wanted to do was go to class. And um, on my second semester of my sophomore year, I, I had something like a, a 2.0, probably even lower than that GPA. And um, I was like, okay, it's time to shape up. It's time to start studying. It's time to actually go to class. And I mean, I'm, I'm sure you hear stories of it all the time, but once you start with that GPA, it's almost impossible to bring it back up. Um, yeah. But I, you know, junior year, senior year, I didn't miss a class. Wow. And I started pulling A's and B's and started actually studying and putting some effort into it. Um, so I graduated with a 3.01, just enough to put it on my resume and wow. um, just enough credits to graduate on time. Hmm. So. so you almost dropped out. I almost dropped out. Yeah. Holy smokes. I, did, I was just like, school's not for me. And um, I think it was just things were getting way too difficult at that time. to, to And I just wanted to give up. But hmm. you know, I say it all the time. Beck, Beck really saved me. She was there for me. And she was the calmer calmer head and, and willing to listen to me where, you know, for people that I had in my life at that point was just dictating what I should do, right? So, um, yeah, it was all, almost dropped out. College, college was much more difficult for me than high school because mm -hmm. high school is a lot more structured. Right. College is, here you go, figure it out. Right, figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And you were so used to so much order in your life yep. and everything pretty much, your day was full. Yes. Right? Like you went exactly. to school all day, you were in a classroom all day, then you had practice yep. or games. And you came home, and you had to do whatever you need to do at home. Yep. Get homework done. And that was it. And then that was it. Rinse, repeat. Rinse, repeat. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. And uh, college was was time. You mm -hmm. had plenty of time. You had plenty of parties, and 
plenty of girls, and that was kind of, you know, forget class. Now, did you did you play sports? I played I played club tennis, tennis in my junior and senior year. I played club volleyball my freshman and sophomore year, and I think also my sophomore and junior year I was playing for a club soccer team as well. So just you know active in j just to be just to so that I could feel like I was back in high school again in organized sports right um, but I, I was mostly I would say competitive playing tennis when we went to like nationals and stuff like that so it was really cool that's cool. a really good experience yeah yeah but you know from uh, a lifting and 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 being a, 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 a dedicated athlete perspective not nothing really so when did you meet Beck? I met Beck my freshman year of college at a house party. And it was just through friends and it's like, hey, how's it going? And nice to meet you. And that was it. Um, and then... That know, was it meaning like super casual? Like yeah. Didn't even, casual. didn't even think twice about it. Just, hey, Not a chance. Exactly. hey, nice to meet you. Cool. Yep. 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 Um, you know, I, I don't think either of us fit our, our stereotypical people we would date. Like, Becca never had small Asian guy in, in her in her guys. I don't know why. <laughs> exactly. Why she wouldn't. I mean. <laughs> I know, right? Isn't that the That's stereotypical the hunk in America? <laughs> totally. Totally. Small, skinny, lanky Asian guy. Right. Who got bright red when he drank. Um, and it was, it was just super casual. And then... And then my sophomore year, we started hanging out more. I tell this story all the time. It's that she was student teaching because she was a senior. So she never used her meal plan. She was a senior. You were? A sophomore. Sophomore. Yep. She never used so her meal plan. So older woman. Older woman. Hell yeah. Nice. Um, Got it. So didn't use her meal plan. Didn't use her meal plan. But you I like gone. eating. Yeah, I was gone. I was out of my meal plan. I had the largest meal plan by October. Okay. <laughs> so there's this girl who was pretty cool. You know, I liked her. She was kind of um, really nice to talk to and um, didn't use her meal plan. And she was always, you know, she would get back from student teaching mm -hmm. right at dinner time. Right. And hey, man, you, know, you, you remember Instant Messenger? It's like whenever she used, she was away, yeah. and when she came back from away, I was like, "Hey, you want to do dinner?" Yeah, and and that was it. That's kind of, um, you know, she she feeds me now, and that's kind of like the way. So to my you heart. used your wife I for used my wife food for food, as I still do now. Yep. What was your uh, classic away message? Oh my goodness, um, I I went through some hardcore depression in in college. Mm -hmm. So take any any kind of dashboard confessional lyrics. Oh my gosh! Or boys to men, or any kind of stupid stuff like that, and, and put it on there, and uh, that that was it. That was it. Um, so I and plus you know there were so many there's so many screen names back then. So I used to be like um, Topspin Nine Twenty Four, uh, Asian Sensation. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what was some still? Oh my gosh, there's so many good ones as well. Probably things I can't mention on this podcast. But now, did you did you have all these running at the same time? Yeah, yeah. there was a there was an Aimbot app where uh, you could I, have I multiple screens. Yeah, I know fully well. Of course, yeah. absolutely, absolutely. So, um, 
yeah, you know, it was man. That, that was those days back then. That was good. That was That's good. Really fun. Yeah. Yep. And people would see if they were friends with you on all of them, they would hear the door open or close. Yep. Whenever. Yeah. You, and you came back online. My roommate who had this banging sound system with the sub, he would turn all the time, but he would forget to mute. Mm-hmm. So in the middle of the night, you would go boom. Oh uh, man! Like, what the hell? the dude chimes and the <laughs> turn off your speakers. <laughs> Yeah, um, but yeah, I mean that's kind of how Beck and I uh, got to know know each other. And yeah. So did now did she think you were like trying to make moves romantically because of this, or she it was platonic and you it was just like hey, can let's go eat? Because, yeah, yeah, it was it was definitely platonic. It was definitely mm-hmm. platonic, and it was it was Beck. Um, Beck was actually the chaser. I had just gotten out of a pretty brutal relationship, and I, you know, mm-hmm. all I wanted to do was kind of, uh, or see other people and hook up with other, like, and not really be in a, a steady relationship. So she was kind of, we were just friends. Mm-hmm. Um, she knew that, and then uh, one one day we were talking, and uh, we were in a lunchroom, and so I don't know why the hell I would say something like that. I looked at her, and I'm like, so. When did you figure out that you liked me? She's like, <laughs> the hell? It's so, so arrogant of you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I, if I were the girl, I'd be like, dude, what are you talking about? Stand up and leave. And well, I mean, she did respond with like, who said I liked you? That mm, kind of thing. Mm-hmm, but that mm-hmm. was that was probably when we started, you know, really being romantically linked and and get being really interested in each other that way. So this was her senior year. This was her towards the end of her senior year. Got it. Yeah. Now she had, what, she had already had a job because of the student teaching? Um, like, she must have had some idea of what her plans were going to be for after school. Well, she she did. And, um, of course, if you're talking about organized, Becca is ten times more organized than I am. So she knew she wanted to be a teacher. Like, mm-hmm. when Becca knows she wants to do something, she knows. She's going to do it. Like, yeah. there's no question right. about it. Um, so she wanted to be a teacher. So she wanted to go out and graduate and then apply to, um, first of all, she took a year off just to kind of settle a, a little bit. And then she she applied to PL where she went to school. It's a private school in um, in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. And she applied there and, and they rejected her. Um, mm-hmm. And ultimately, Ultimately, that 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 broke her heart. She was just like, I went to school because she was fully expecting. Yeah, my mom to get a job went there. to school here. My mom teaches here. Like, right. come on now. Right. Um, and this is where we talk about grit. We talk about wanting, knowing, knowing what you want to do. She spent the next five years pursuing teaching. She went for. She taught. Um, she, first of all, she took a job at a daycare. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so any of the kindergarten stuff right now, and now now that you finally look at the daycare teachers, you know the crap that they go through. Right? Sure. So um, she also took long-term sub positions, and um, then had to interview for her own position for for a full-time position, and didn't get those. So that went on for five years, and she was as much as it kind of set her back when she didn't get the position. She just kept going, going, going. Um, and I look at that and always say, you know, it's how bad do you want it, right? Do you, right. How bad do you want this particular thing that you've, uh, your goal? And uh, 
you know, and she ended up getting one of like the nicest positions in, and I guess around the this area at this point. So, but she had moved back home. She had moved graduating. back home. Right. She was living with. And you guys were technically in a relationship. Yep. I was. I was still uh, in college, but you know, that's that's. Uh, I would just drive and be there, be be at Lisa and Robert's house, um, and that's why you know when I when I say, I talk to Lisa. I've, I've known Lisa my mother-in-law for 16 years mm. she she knew me when i was a boy right mm -hmm. i was 18 19 years old yeah and feeding me dinner every night and i was like you know the guy that came over right um so yeah i was i was going back and forth and we were just kind of and which is also just a 45 minute drive it wasn't anything crazy but we also had a circle of friends who was in becca's year that we would hang out with so i never really hung out with um too many people at school. It's because most of my circle of friends were seniors at that time or had graduated. Okay, so yep. you had an older. Yeah. Your friends were typically the older. Yep. Uh, classes. Yep, and the people that I did hang out with school were the 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 club sports people, and then of course I had to. I mean, not that I'm stereotypical or anything, but join the Asian American Association. Oh yeah. Where we went bowling and drank bubble tea. <laughs> it's phenomenal. <laughs> Not stereotypical. Not at not all. at all. Not right. at all. But our president uh, was a white dude. Nice. <laughs> and I just, I just thought he had a thing for Asian girls. So I was like, by all means, come Go on. Go for man. it. Go for it. Yeah. it. <laughs> so you graduate. Uh, where do you start working? I started working at this place called Apprise Networks, and it was basically a warehouse manufacturing software that would um, just basically track inventory. Mm -hmm. So think of Walmart yeah. and you know, think of all the- Supply chain. Supply chain and all yeah. that kind of stuff. Um, so while I was doing that, I got a call from Merck and Merck was like, hey, come on, we just saw your resume. I'm like, number one, how the hell did you get my resume? I don't remember mm -hmm. applying. It was mm -hmm. probably because I was basically spraying and praying regard with resumes, just sending out as many as possible. Gotcha. And uh, I had only been working for a prize for a month. So I wow. accepted the position at Merck and then kind of gave them the bad news. And they sent me this really nasty letter, which I have till today. Nice. And they're like, you should be ashamed that you cashed our paycheck because you made us, um, you, you, you made us train you for a month and we didn't even get reap the benefits. And I was like, hey, not the first nor the last person to kind of take care of my own career. Right, right. So, you know, worked at Merck for a few years. Um, I got my master's there. They paid for it. Like, the, the teachers came to Merck campus. And all wow. I had to do was go downstairs and take courses. Um, so that was that was really enjoyable. Um, I mean, Merck, the Merck experience was really, really enjoyable. I, you know, they, they, they took care of me really well. And, um, you know, now we just went to uh, essentially a went to work for Cigna for a little bit and now I'm at a startup running a running a uh, PMO or project management organization cool yep and two kids which we've, we've already talked about yeah right e Eli and Eli and Layla do you feel like when you had them that you changed at all oh yeah my, my world flipped upside down it became very, um, it was no longer about me. Mm -hmm. 
um, and you know my professional life, which had always driven me. My my life till that point was about how far and how high I can get and how much money I can make. Hmm. Um, and when they, when Layla came, it was, I don't want to leave home, and I don't want to. Um, I just want to make enough just so that I can be home and 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 that came from you it wasn't like you know Beck saying hey we need you home more no it, right. was, it was your own me. volition your own decision making yes yeah it was um, and you, you know I was having a conversation with with someone um, I remember even when I was uh, a kid all I wanted to do was be an awesome dad and be there, right? And not that my dad didn't love me with all that he could and um, in every way that he knew how to love me, but it was, he, he couldn't be around, mm -hmm. right? Because he was always working. Um, and I think as an adult, you also realize that fear takes you to places where you don't, you don't necessarily make the best decisions. So my parents were living in fear all the time because they didn't have the education, they didn't have the money, they didn't know what was influencing their kids, so they had to make a decision based on what they were afraid of. Right. And um, so that kind of, growing up like that, all, all I wanted to do is like, when I have my own kids, this is how I want to do it. I want, I want to be the best dad possible. I, I just want to be a great dad. So that was always hidden underneath because mm -hmm. I was focused on more of career goals and, and all that kind of stuff, but when Layla was born, that just all came spilling out. Right. It's like, I don't care about anything else. I care about my wife, I care about my family, and I care about my kids, and that, that, comes, that comes first. Right. Um, and you know, and, and I was just like, well, whatever money comes, then great, that's awesome, but I'm not, at some point, not really willing to risk any of that to, to, to pad my paycheck. Got it. Yep. So it definitely did just blow my world upside down and change my priorities. I think for the better. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what advice would you have for new parents or expecting parents? Oh uh, man, uh, I think be present. Be present. I, uh, it's one of the the s simplest to say, but the hardest to to do to execute right um, and you know we can get into all the nitty-gritty of communicate and and be there but right. being present to me is something that I value so deeply because it's not you know it goes past your kids you know even with your relationships but to be present with your kids is something that you'll never get back if you lose um, if you're if you're not present when you're at w at 3 a.m. holding them to put them to sleep because they're not falling asleep when they're infants. Um, you don't you don't get to enjoy that, um, and I think that the more that I have been working on being present, you, you enjoy your kids a lot more. Do you mean that in a? Um, I mean, it sounds like you mean that in a mental sense. Yes. Right. Yes. Like physically, obviously, be there. Mm -hmm. You like. Doing doing that, but it sounds like you're talking more about mentally correct being present, not 
what being preoccupied with work uh, yep. is that yep and I, I think the this day and age we all have our cell phones we're all reachable via work or friends or social media um, and I you know you and I have been talking about in my current position so as I took another position for uh, project manager I was working at home I was home right um, I was physically there right but I was so stressed out and wired out with this new startup that I wasn't present. I wasn't there for my kids. I would just sit there and be worried about work and be completely wired on, you know, what do I have to do next and, and things like that. Um, so, to me, that wasn't that wasn't what I wanted to be as a dad, as a husband. And um, so, you know, from an being an expecting father or expecting parent, mm -hmm. um, try your best to be present. Try putting your phone away. Try. Um, putting on your calendar from 5 to 7.30 to focus, just focus on that, that your family, just being present and not being distracted. Um, recently had a talk with uh, one of our COOs and he spent a lot of his life just working, working, working and unfortunately his family situation didn't work out. And he said, one of the things that I can tell you, Lamb, is that you know, work as hard as you want obviously, but make that time, separate that time for your family so that you can be present. And when they go to sleep and you're done spending time with your wife, you want to work more, spend, you know, sacrifice some sleep. Wake up a little earlier, stay up a little later, but you still have to have that time to be present. And hearing that from someone, I know you read that in books and blogs and whatnot, right. but hearing that from someone who's gone through it and who has essentially lost his family due to not doing that was really powerful. Sounds like he has a bunch of regrets. Yes. Yeah. Very much so. Very much so. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think from a w one thing that I can tell expecting parents is be present. Try your best to be present. So it's been like an hour, yeah. and we haven't talked about CrossFit. <laughs> Seriously. So I think we should talk about CrossFit. Yeah. Let's. Let's. Yeah. How did you get into CrossFit? Um, so like with a lot of positive things in my life, it involves Becca. Right. Um, she had pretty much everything you owe is yeah is yeah I, I would say yeah. so I would say so Diddy would say the same for me um, <laughs> yeah uh, so so she had been doing CrossFit with Joy you, I think yep. you know Joy Naminsky yep um, we shot their wedding yeah exactly uh, another um, bunch of four-way things that uh, things that we've gotten involved in but uh, she had been doing CrossFit for six months and we had gone through the the idea of let's let's do something together for you know a, a, a few activities because Becca and I have nothing in common in terms of doing activities together. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, we have a foundation of things that we we do believe in that are the same, but in terms of I don't I don't scrapbook. Right. Um, she doesn't play soccer. Right. You know. Um, she doesn't play video games. She does not play video games. Uh, she has tried. Right. Uh, and I give her the credit for trying to play right. video games with me. Um, you know, and so so we played indoor soccer for a season, and mm -hmm. she would she came and play. We played in the very beginning of the league, so I mean, awesome for trying it out. And she's like, "It's my turn. I've been crossfitting," and she showed me the CrossFit games, mm. and I'm like, "This is stupid. <laughs> this is the is this what you do during class? Like, really?" And she's like, "Yeah, this is what I do." And um, and then you know, she was like, "Well, I played indoor soccer, so." You, come CrossFit with me. So I uh, did. Okay. Quid pro quo. Uh, yeah, very much so. 
and I came and did the base camp with Amy at CrossFit KOP. Yep. And uh, you know, during base camp, it was you would go through the movements less like you do fundamental movements, fundamentals, yep. and then it was to kind of finish it out. It's fifty wall balls. So we did fifty wall balls. We were there and we started doing fifty wall balls, and Becca was my counter. And mm. of course, in true fashion, she no repped the hell out of me. <laughs> like, so you I didn't do fifty? No, I didn't do fifty. I probably, probably did, did about sixty. Yeah. Yes, because she sat there and no repped me for a good ten times. I'm like, number one, what does no rep mean? <laughs> like, why am I why am I being no repped? And number two, why are you doing this to me? You know, at 25, your legs are burning, your arms are like, I, I don't know what's going on, and now you're making me do 10 more. Um, and then, you know, that that was kind of history. I got, awesome. I got hooked. I got hooked because that was like, um, I'm, I'm here, I want to be here, because I had I had tried, you know, your LA Fitness, and I donated to them for years, mm -hmm. just because I, like I think, that, oh, donated yeah, to yeah, them. I, yeah, they're, they're, they're a great philanthropy. They just, yeah. you know, they try to get you fit, and then you just keep paying money to them. <laughs> Um, and and you know that's kind of that's where I met you and and you know I just I just kept coming back because I found that I was I was a much better athlete after crossfitting and I was a lot stronger and I was a lot faster even than in than I would say definitely in college but I would say I'm a lot stronger than I was in high school. Mm -hmm but I was a lot faster in high school. But now to think about it, if I were to play myself in soccer, I would just knock my old self down. Like, yeah. It doesn't matter how fast you, you, you are. You could be more physical. Exactly, mm -hmm. hands down. Um, so, you know, it was just, I was I was the best athlete I could be at that point. What's your favorite workout? Um, I would, I would say my, man, I, I Or what I would be a, a perfect workout for you? I know I like, Something I know I like Annie. Right? Okay. I mean, Annie is one of my preferences. I mean, sit-ups and double-unders all day long. Right. Um, I I very much, I never thought I would say this, but Cindy and Murph, mm. because they are, I mean, uh, after losing all that weight, I just became kind of a body specialist, a, bo a body, um, body weight spe specialist. Sure. And, um, and then Murph was something that I was just, so intimidated about like oh my gosh I can't I hate running as much as I play soccer I hate running and then having to do essentially 20 rounds of Cindy and then running again like well, what I can't do this and then once I did it I was like man this is great like this is kind of something I, I want to keep doing and and bettering uh, becoming better so right. I would say you know Annie Cindy Murph cool yep. I like that yep so body weight yep Give me a barbell and it kind of goes downhill from there. <laughs> yeah. Well, so what are you doing now? So, or what are your, do you have any goals now? What's your current workout situation? Yeah. Uh, how do you balance being a dad of two kids and working? And, and we kind of talked about this last time, but, um, you know, where are you now? What is the state of? Um, I think uh, now I'm, I'm trying to work back to where I was, uh, a year and a half ago, mm. a year and a half ago, and I, I, I remember, I remember when the light clicked to, that told me you, in order to really CrossFit as well as you'd want to, you can't just CrossFit, and that's kind of just how it works for me. Like when I was squatting, um, deadlifting, and doing five by fives. Like uh, right now, I'm going back 
Um, right now, I'm coming back into um, doing a strong lifts five by five, which involves push press, bench press, deadlift, squatting, and you know, just four movements alternating. Right, because you have a power rack at home. Yep, and you can do that yep. in your garage. Yep, got it. And um, I got to the point where I was deadlifting three ninety five by five, um, squatting two eighty five five by five. So I, I felt so strong, and I wasn't afraid of the barbell at that point. Um, so, you know, and of course, when you don't do those things, you, you end up losing it and it, it suffer kind of your performance, I would say your performance suffers during a while as well. So that's kind of where I want to get back to, um, just because it's kind of a, a sense of pride that I've gotten there and I want to keep continuing it. And then also being prepped for the open just so that I can kind of put myself, my best self out there. Cool. Yep. Yep. And so, you know, just maintaining maintaining with with being regular at at um at kana and then also curbing my eating and cool reducing the sugar and starting to go back to just your basics at this point so got it yeah back to the basics yep absolutely absolutely and then it's probably because we have also have a competition in november yeah so you and beck me and Beck, right. we're 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 looking partner competition, partner competition at the the fall brawl. We're doing a scaled version, um, but uh, we w- we made a commitment to each other to do a do a competition a year. So nice. this, this will be our thing. Cool. And uh, you know it's it's fun. It's fun, and you kind of put yourself out there. Um, I think about our, all our new members, just the kind of. Um, nervousness or, or whatnot that you actually have to go perform at another box it's not easy mm-hmm. so it's, it's right. you know once you get used to it um it, it's fun but i would have to say one, one of my goals now is to look for and this is risky on my side but to be prepped enough to do kind of uh, or do a competition by myself and uh put myself out there and see where you know wherever it lands but i like it it's one of my it's one of my things for now so um, I want to wrap up, but yeah. um, what advice would you have for new crossfitters? Uh, stay with it. So it, it the 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 process works. It's kind of like when you're in school and you just go to class. Mm-hmm. Just if you just go to class and just show up, mm-hmm. you're going to get a B, a low B. Even if you you know, because just that just the reps of going to class, you you're going to get better. You're going to absorb so. Just show up and go to class regularly, and the the process and the training and the scaling will 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 take effect eventually. And obviously, if you want to exceed that mm-hmm. B, get right. to A status, or become a better athlete, you'll have to work more and put more effort in. But if you're there to just stay in shape, be healthy, to not suffer any kind of uh, metabolic diseases, show up. Drink the Kool Aid, be be regular, be consistent, and and uh, um, follow through. Cool. Yeah. Sweet. So we'll leave it there. Yeah, man. Thanks, dude. Yeah, thanks a lot. You got it. Appreciate it. Hey, folks. Thanks again for listening to Cross Econa Radio. If you like what you heard, head over to iTunes and give us a five star rating and leave us a review, which helps us get found on the interwebs. Also, head over to social media, find us on Facebook and Instagram at CrossFitKana, K-A-N-N-A. And if you have any questions for the podcast, email us at info 
at crossfitkana.com. Thanks and have a great day.